I want to introduce you. I'm not preaching, so there's that. Lucky you. Um, and so uh, I'm going to introduce you to our guest preacher today, and you guys are in for a treat. Um, a few years ago, Pastor Natalie and I uh, were at Caton's Island for uh, kind of a youth camp there, and we were both speaking. And uh, the guy who was after us, um, he was basically fresh off the boat from San Diego, I think. And so no one had really met this guy before, and he hopped on the island because uh, he was going to be the new student ministry professor at Kingswood University. And uh, so we heard a lot about this guy, but no one knew who he was or what he looked like. And so he, he showed up um, with his beach blonde hair and his surfer dude accent straight from San Diego. And he came and he preached wielding a giant Braveheart sword. I'm serious. Like, he used that thing. And we were like, whoa, who is this guy? And, um, and so throughout the last few years, uh, I've come to, to, to know Brent Dangel uh, as a friend. And uh, you guys are in for a treat uh, this morning. Um, he is married to Natasha Dangel, who was here back in February, if you remember her, preached for our Uprising Conference and for our Sunday morning services. Uh, and they have two little girls, uh, who I'm sure he's going to tell you about in a minute, but he put away the sword because he's got kids around now. Um, so it's my sincere um, pleasure to introduce you guys to the Professor of Student Ministries at Kingswood University and my friend Brent Dangel. Why don't you guys welcome him? I hope, I hope to be as passionate and hip as Jamie when I grow up. You know, that's my goal in life right there. Um, I, I'm privileged to be with you guys today. Let me uh, just pray for us before we jump in. God, I thank you so much for this time, and I pray that you will be with us, that you will speak through your word and through me boldly your gospel and the strength that comes through you as a father that loves us and accepts us for who we are, for a son that would die for us, Lord, and has given us a chance at a new life in the name of the spirit that empowers us to, <laughs> to be able to live differently. We thank you for this time together, and we welcome you to speak in our hearts, to speak in our minds, and to speak to us all as a community. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. I remember when I was uh, in high school, and we lived up on a hill, and we, I was in California, like he said, San Diego, so I had, uh, uh, there was a gate, so there was a bump in the cement on this kind of steeper driveway, and I decided to go biking that day, so I didn't wear a helmet, and I had flip-flops on, and I'm going to take my bike down my driveway and just kind of cruise around. Wasn't the smartest idea, but as I'm starting to go down the hill, I hadn't done this yet, and I, I start kind of walking it down, and my bike starts to pick up speed on the hill, and I didn't quite have my hands on the brake, so I'm like, you know what? I, I think I can just jog with it down the driveway a little bit, so I start jogging, and it keeps picking up speed, and soon, soon enough, halfway down the driveway, there's the bump where the gate's about to hit, and I'm picking up speed, so I'm running with it, and it's picking up speed, and then it does the, like, boom off the bump, and I, I try and grab it and hold on, but then it, boom, it goes, and then I go, and I literally, duh, 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 I roll three times down the driveway, and I'm at the bottom of the driveway, uh, like that, you know, like, and, and, and I'm, I'm beat up, like, the calluses in the bottom of the feet torn off, like, ripped shoulder, everything, and I'm laying there, and, oh, uh, I love my mom, she's just saying, all of a sudden I hear, Brent, Brent, and she's running down this driveway, and my sister's running behind her, and they're running after me to, to save me, and make me feel better, and I'm just laying there, and I, I knew how to ride a bike, but in that moment, I was still learning 
how to grow into riding a bike. Can I get an amen? I was, uh, there was that moment where we've had a bike accident, even though we probably shouldn't have. Now, going back, how many of you actually remember riding, learning how to ride your bike? Anyone? I, I don't. I'm glad you do, because I, I don't remember it. In my head, I just jumped on a bike and I started going. And so, like was said, I have two daughters now, um, background story if you don't know my wife was married to a pastor and he was running for a training for a marathon his heart stopped and she was widowed with two girls became a single mom and so we met and we've been married for two years so I became father husband of two daughters that were four and six they're now six and eight and one of my first daddy tasks in this year is, is to get them off their training wheels onto their bike all right and so in my head I'm like okay you, you get them on there you take off the training wheels and I just start pushing, and they go. It doesn't work like that. I'm not sure if you realize it. It doesn't work like that. I didn't remember. And, and my back was sore because you're doing a lot of kind of like, you're okay, you're okay. And, and a lot of like, as you're saying you're okay and you're doing okay and you're helping, the girls are like, Daddy, you're pushing me over. You're not helping. I'm like, no, I'm holding you up. You know, like it's, it's a complicated scenario. Um, I'm proud to say Daddy duties, both my girls this summer learned how to ride their bikes without their training wheels. Thank you, thank you. It took me two years, but I did it, all right? And so um, <laughs> they, they can now do that. Um, one other scenario, there, there's a growth process. We understand that you have training wheels before you kind of go onto your bike. That's a normal process in growth. Another scenario of growth, how many of you now have clothes in your closet that you're waiting to wear when you can fit back into them again. Anyone got some of those right in there? Yeah? Okay. Okay. If you're in high school and you're not there yet, enjoy that stage. You know, like, don't just wear what you want to. Um, we, we understand that we may, we understand you may never wear that again. You know, like, we, we may not get back to that place we want to, we, but we can hope. We, under, we, we know there's a growth process, and um, there's sometimes where things fit and work, and sometimes we move past certain stages in life. Today we're talking about the Bible and reading and loving God's Word. And I want to challenge you because a lot of us in life, the way we hold ourselves to reading the Bible, we don't give ourselves the same grace in that growth process in the way that we read the Bible. We assume we're going to achieve a place and we will just be there and that we should be there. It's almost like we forgot the growth process of life in other areas of our lives. And even once you know how to ride a bike, it still doesn't mean there's not new challenges. I, I actually was training for a triathlon, and it was in California. It was Lake Tahoe. And you're going down a hill on these little thin um, tires, and you're going... I'm going to say kilometers up here. I'm American. I'm going to say 50 kilometers, 50 to like 60 kilometers an hour going down this hill, and you don't want to hit dirt. And, and so I know how to ride a bike, but that's a new level of riding a big. There's different stages. And, and let me tell you, as you're reading the Bible, there's growth, there's methods, there's different ways in our process of growing in our spiritual walk that we read the Bible. And that's okay. You don't need to feel guilty for it. Today, God wants to give you a new opportunity to live and love the Bible, God's word, like you never have before. 
I'm glad you're here today. You're not here in an accident. God is wanting to challenge you in the way you read the word and to give you a chance to live and love his word in a new way. Yeah, um, the Bible is called the word of God and um, it, it, the sword of the spirit as well. And, uh, uh, and, and so I, don't, I didn't get to bring my sword today. I didn't, my, my wife is actually leading worship at a church in Sussex Wesleyan and my girls are with her. So I don't have my family with me today, but um, they do send their wishes. So um, if you, anyone have their Bibles here? All right, word, all right. If you, got, if you got your Bibles, we're turning to Psalm 119. I want you to say that number with me, Psalm. All right, one more time, Psalm. All right, good. Remember that number. It's a good one to remember. If you don't have an actual Bible, there is a free Bible app. I encourage you to download it. I use that a lot as well. It's free, and if you use that on your phone, feel free to bring that out right now. I'd love for you to turn here. Psalm 119. The thing about this passage is, it is a very, well, it's a famous passage. There's words, verses in here you might know if you're familiar with the Bible. But it's all about this psalmist, this guy that loves the Bible. He loves the Word of God, all right? So if you're wanting just a good place to start as to a scripture about how do I learn to love God's Word, read this guy. He's just like, man, the Word's awesome. I'm holding on to it over and over again for 176 verses. So it's not like the two verse, ch- it's a big chapter. I'm not saying read it all, but it, it's important for you to know that in Psalm 119, that it talks about the Word of God. When you're wanting to, to stoke, to stir up that love of God and, and the Word of God, this is a good place to start. I'm going to read two scriptures, and since this, is, since this is like, what's the title? Nine Ways to Make Your Life Gooder. Uh, we are going to have some practical life hacks. So we're going to look at two scriptures. And then I'm going to go very practical with you. So Psalm 119, verse 72. I'm pausing to let her catch up because I talk fast. Okay, good. (laughs) Psalm 119, 72. This verse continues to humble me. Is she catching up there? We're good? Psalm 119, 72. Oh, they caught that. Okay, because um, this verse, even though I love the word, this guy might love it more practically, and I, I don't like saying that. I'm just a mission here. Here's what he says. The law from your mouth is precious to me. More precious than a thousand of pieces of silver and gold. A thousand of pieces of silver and gold. Okay, I love the word. If you were to tell me, Brent, do you love this Bible? Do you rely on this Bible, this book in your hand so much that you believe it will solve your problems more than having enough money for retirement or more than enough money to get through your college or more than enough money to just do life well right now? Is is this worth any kind of money I could give you? That might stretch me. I love the word. But right here, he's saying, man, he loves the word more than riches. And the Bible says that consistently. Man, seek it more than the, the biggest treasure. And, and, and I, 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 I get it in theory, but you hear me, right? Like, in practice, I'm still growing in my love to cherish this in that way. But know the Bible is precious. The Bible is so precious. It's not just another book. It's the words of God. And the second verse is Psalm 119.9. For those that are younger in here, perk up your ears. Woo, here we go. Um, how can the young person keep from sinning? How can the young person keep their way, the word is, pure. 
it says, by living according to your word. All right? So here we go. Very practically, the Bible, if you have problems in your life, if you're doing things you know you don't want to, if you know you want to live differently or more of a pure life, the Bible is a key answer. And if, if you're trying to live a more pure life, you're praying about that, but you're not actually getting into the word, you're missing one of the key things that helps you to know what obedience and not sinning is. Right here. It's precious, and it brings us to purity. It's a beautiful thing, the Word of God. So today, I'm going to give you five practical ways that you might read the Word more. But let me tell you this. We're, um, as you're reading through the Bible, I've had some friends. Um, I'm going to just, I'm not picking on Catholics, but I had one or two Catholic friends that were trying to read the Word specifically. And, and they're like, you know what? No, we have to start in Genesis and read all the way through. I'm like, maybe you should start with John. I'm like, no. Genesis all the way through. And they get through the book of Genesis into Leviticus or Exodus and they stop. So somewhere in there. And and I want to give you this quote. Reading the Bible is not so much always about getting through the Bible as the Bible getting all the way through you. Reading the Bible is not always so much about getting all the way through the Bible as the Bible getting all the way through you. You see, the Word of God, it's not just meant to be heard or known, but it's meant to be lived. The living Word of God is meant to be lived. And so, let me give you five ways that you might um, need to challenge yourself in the way you live out the Word of God. It's five animals. I can't take credit for this analogy, but this is fun, all right? This is on the screen. You're going to have to remember these. But five, for those that are visual or like animals, practically, th- these are five ways. If, if, if God also calls this like the, li- the daily bread. If, if this is what you feed off, if this is what you spiritually can feed off of, what are different ways that we can feed on the Word of God? And then, so we're going to use animals as an analogy. I'll list them off, and you'll hopefully remember those or write these down. So number one is the bird. All right, early bird gets the, all right, so bird, and then we're going to go to the ant eater. Yeah, all right, and then we're going to go to a bat, and then we're going to go to a boa. And then we're going to go to a cow, all right? Let's test you on those. We're going to start with the bird, and then we're going to go to the ant eater, and then we're going to go to the bat, and then we're going to go to the boa, and then we're going to go to the cow. Okay, we got our five. Just for the sake of fun, if you could have one as a pet, which one would you choose? Tell your neighbor, ready, set, go. You're a polite crowd. You're like, uh. <laughs> all right, all right, bring it back in. Let's talk through these. The, the, these. All these animals feed or find their food differently, all right? So this is kind of fun. This is where life hacks. Application one, the early bird gets the worm. The early bird is the one that gets the food first because they're early. There's some of you in here that your day does not start until you read the Word of God, all right? It, it, it's, it's the equivalent for some of you coffee addicts in here. If you don't have your coffee in the morning, you're not awake. If, they don't, if you don't have your Word in the morning, you are not awake. You know, your day hasn't started until you've had your time in the Word. And, and, and that's a good thing. The Bible talks about that. Once again, my, my motherly, my, my, my saintly mom, the one that ran down to save me, uh, I remember when I was, I heard one preacher talk about how you should feel guilty if you fall asleep praying to God. And I remember um, 
because you should respect him. And I, and I understood what they were saying, but she sat me down one night and said, Brent, I'm not sure if you've heard that or not, but, but let me tell you, there's nights where I am praying and I fall asleep, and the next morning I wake up still praying, and I can't think of a better way to end my day than talking to my Lord, and a better way to start my day than talking to my Lord. My first and my last words being with my God. There's a beautiful, beautiful conversation that can take throughout the day, and I admire those of you that that's so natural. For some of you, that's the only kind of Christianity you've heard, and you don't live up to that, and you're feeling guilty because you don't feed like that. That's not naturally how you're fed, and so you feel like you're just not a good Christian. This is where I want to open up your paradigm to different ways you might be fed by the Word of God. The second one is the anteater. The anteater isn't going to go around and chomp down on a big animal because it has a little nose with a little dot at the end. So what's it going to be looking for to eat? Ants. It's designed to get ants specifically. So this anteater doesn't just go around looking for anything. It's going around looking for something specific to eat, and when it finds it, it goes in and it eats it. All right, so you ready for this? When you're going to the Word, some of you need to look for the things that bug you in life Oh, I see what I did right there? Yeah, okay. Some of you, you love the Bible because you see the things that bug you. Why in the world is our government so messed up? Why in the world do my friends act this way? Why in the world, how do I respond to this scenario? And you, you come alive. You feed off the word when you have a problem that needs to be resolved, resolved and you go to God with that problem. And he's delighted by that. He's delighted when you feed on a word that you go to him with your problems and you ask him, you seek his word out, what it says on those things. The anteater. The third is the bat, all right? And uh, bats, they have this cool feature when it's nighttime when they're feeding. So what's it called? Where they, they, they shoot something down that comes back and hits them in the face. So you guys all, uh, what, what, someone, one person? Echolocation, we'll put it that way. I say like sonar, I don't know. Echolocation, we're just gonna go with that. And, and it goes down, hits the ground, it comes back, and then if it sees a mouse, or if it senses a mouse, it comes back, and, and the echolocation all of a sudden hits in its face, it, it, it senses something different is going on there. Some of you in here, the best way you're fed off scripture is when you throw something out there. And someone throws something back at you, all right? Some of you know that you left in your head drives you insane. But when you actually talk to someone in a small group of community about Scripture, and you actually dialogue, it just it brings it to a whole new light and a whole new level. The Bible is not only meant to be fed on by, by ourselves, it's meant to be fed on in community. Amen, amen. So, so, so not only do we early break as the worm, not only do we do it early, but we do it regularly or, or, or often when we have problems, like the anteater, but we do it communally. The, the, the word's meant to be fed on communally. Fourth, boa. Okay, I got our boa. Boas, they, they, they can do the whole, like, National Geographic, like, dislocate the jaw, like, eat something really big, you know? And, 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 and like, and, like, there's this ball that's going through this, like, boa. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, it doesn't just, like, digest in a second. It, it, it can take, like, days that it's digesting this. Some of you, like me in here, when I read Ecclesiastes, it's like, it, it's not too long. But when I read one chapter in it, I just can't help but finish it. Some of you, when you start something, you can't help but finish it. And, and you just read all, you read the whole gospel. You just read all this stuff. And, and, and the thing is, you may not have read it the next day, but what you read, you feed off for days. 
Like, you, you know, you're still thinking about what was said in John the next day and the next day. And some of you, you, you read in chunks. And that's actually a good thing. When you get into Bible school, I'm a professor. You, you, you teach people context, context, context. If you just read a verse by itself, sometimes you miss the whole point of what's being said. So it's helpful to not only read the word early and often and communally, but in chunks at times. And then the last one, the cow. All right, how do cows eat? <laughs> they're, they're a gross animal because they, they, they see some grass, they chew on it, and then they swallow it, and then they spit it back up in their mouth, and they chew on it some more, and then they swallow it, and they spit it back up, and they chew in their mouth some more, and then they swallow it. It's called chewing cud. And, and, and they just keep digesting something over and over again. Where I heard this from, this guy's name was Dave Ward, the first time I heard this analogy, the, the, the five here. So this is not my own. Dave Ward, he, he said he had a friend in, high, in college, university, that she would carry a verse or two in her back pocket on a note card. And when they would bump into each other around campus, he might ask her, so what's, on the, what's the verse for the week? And she would read the verse, and she might say, this is what I'm thinking about that. But he would say, you know what, I could, I could bump into her two days later, and if I said, so what have you been learning about that verse? It would be something entirely different the next time. Because it was just one verse, but she would pick it up when she was in line waiting for something or in a room. She just was constantly reading this verse and digesting it. And she would discover new things about the scripture throughout her time. So I don't know which one you are, but you, you might be one or a combination of those animals. But do you hear what I'm saying? If we all try and be early birds, and we think that's all that Christianity is, and that's the only way you feed on scripture— Sometimes we start to feel guilty. Have any of you felt guilty for how much or little you read the word there? As I was processing this, two kind of a visual person, two pictures came to mind. If, if, if you want to live a certain way, but you, you're, you're, like, your love doesn't add up to what you want to live, that gap in between is usually filled with guilt. You, you, you say, I mean, I wish I read the word more, but it's not, the, the guilt is like, man, I wish, I wish. But what really needs to happen is, man, you need to figure out a new way just to love the scriptures and to love God more. It, it's, it's not a guilt problem as much as a love of his word, love of God, wanting to know him more problem. Opposite, if, if you love God, if you know he loves you, but your living isn't adding up to what you say you love, I would say that's more of a self-centered or a selfish problem. The reality is, is you know God loves you, but you don't want to change your lifestyle. You're living to meet the love that has met you. So some of you in here today have some guilt problems around the word that you need to let go. And you need to embrace a prayer of love. And some of you in here have a problem of selfishness where there's some, pro some things in your life, there's some sins or some things that are holding you back from being able to really love the word or live the word the way you want to. I played football in high school, American football, I was in the States, and um, had a really good time. And uh, one of the things that happened was I was a Christian school, so my grade 11, it was, it, that's like the big year, that's a year where you're trying to prove yourself, and I was praying that God would allow me to have that time in the Word, the devotional time that I would need to be the example on the team. I tried that year, but between sports and school and homework and church, everything that was going on that were all good things, I just didn't find that time with God that I really wanted to, that I felt like I needed to really be the, the living example I wanted to be. 
And so it got to the end of the season, and I prayed to God, I'm like, God, you know what? I don't know what's going on, but whatever it is that's holding me back, if I need to give up sports, if I need to give up, like, youth group, if I need to give up, like, doing as much work, what I, whatever I need to do, I want to find that space with you. I, I, I seriously prayed that prayer for just under two weeks, and I broke my hand doing a backflip in front of the cheerleaders, all right? This, this is how cool I was, you know? Like, I, someone, you know, if you're a cheerleader, someone puts their hand like this, and then you put your foot in there, and you flip over, and my friend, my football player did that, and we had been doing it throughout the season, and season ended, so we're like, we're going to try out for the cheerleading team, you know, we come out there, and half the squad's there, and um, he puts his hand there, and somehow either his hands split, or I just slipped, so I, I, instead of like jumping up and doing the flip, I kind of just stayed here and did the flip, and so like, I, I skimmed my nose in the ground, and the rest of my body just went like, plop, like straight under the ground, I'm like laying there, and I'm looking up, and half the cheerleaders are with that disgusted look like, oh. And the others are, like, laughing. Like, <laughs> like it was, it's one of those life-embarrassing moments in front of the cheerleaders. And um, I, I get up, I walk away into the gym, and my hand's pounding. And I, I completely broke this bone trying to catch myself. So a plate and six screws, you can see, like, there's a big scar right there. And, um, and, and actually, I use that as a joke now. I usually say, like, I was in a knife fight is my first story. And then the second one was I was surfing, and it was a shark bite. And then if they don't buy that, then I go to the cheerleading story, and then they don't believe that either. So it's just like it's a fun um, – but, but so when I broke my hand for surgery, I had to be elevated for five days before and after the surgery to get the swelling down. And I found myself sitting with the TV off of my parents in, in the house on the couch with a Bible next to me. And man, I mean, I did watch some TV in that time, but I also – I read the Word in a new way. And, and I, I don't know what you believe theologically, so I'm not going to try and say for sure that God was the one that orchestrated me breaking my hand. But what I am saying is that I had prayed for space, and in that moment, I had found a new space to read the Word, and it, it drastically changed my direction in ministry and, and my growth and my living and loving of the Word. And if some of you really wish you lived or you loved more like God and you understood the Word a little bit different or in a deeper way, I want to tell you today that when you pray that to him and you really seek him like the silver or the gold, he will create some of that space for you. And in that space, you, you can learn how to love or to live God and his word in a whole new way. My daughter, Roya, I have two daughters, and uh, Aaliyah and Roya, Aaliyah is six, Roya is eight, and Aaliyah is the competitive one, so she's the one that she thinks she's a rock star and should get everything the first time, though. My six-year-old, so she's the one that, like, she loves getting it right away, but then if she doesn't get it, she's done until she has to beat someone at it, all right? So that, that's, that's her personality. And so she, she loved riding the bike on her training wheels because she was instantly good. You know, you can just ride. But as soon as I tried to take the training wheels off, it wasn't so much fun anymore. Um, and, and she pretty much, she waited until Roya learned, and then she had to learn because her older sister knew. That's, uh, that's, that's Aaliyah. Roya um, is, is more of like, she'll keep trying, but she, she didn't love riding her bike because she couldn't figure it out. Actually, I had to force her on the bike, and we're going down the road one or two more times. We're going to get this. We're going to get this. And she just didn't love it. And then about two weeks ago at a camp, she finally started to go down the hill without her training wheels. 
And this last week, we were away in Pennsylvania. We were at a hotel, and my girls love the hotel pool. I'm not sure if you're there. Like, uh, that's always a fun thing. But then you always feel bad because the pool is small enough that you kind of, like, dominate the pool. Like, other people, like, look at it, and they see you in there, like, yeah, I'm not going. You know, like, we were that family. And, and so we're in the pool, and, and they are just loving it. And, and Roy is like, I, I just don't want to leave. I just love this place. But I also really miss, and we were thinking it was going to be a French thing, I really miss my bike. And we're like, yeah, out of all things you miss home, you miss your bike. She's like, I love my bike. And, and it was so funny. The thing that my daughter, like, disdained, and I had to force her to get on, she now couldn't wait to get home. We got home last night between 10 and 11, and one girl was asleep, taking Aaliyah into bed, and Roya, by the time I get outside, she's riding her bike just up and down the driveway, having a great old time. And, and let me tell you, some of you naturally have loved the word, but then when it got hard like Aaliyah, you, you kind of stopped. It hit a new phase, and, and the old models didn't work, and you might wonder if you can love it again. Some of you kept trying, and you just never really felt like you loved the word. But let me tell you that there's still hope. In the same way that my daughter can go from not liking riding the bike until she got it down, and she starts to love it, and she can't, it's the thing she can't wait, get wait, wait to get home to see. You, that can be the same way with you and God's word. You can learn to love it, to crave it, to, to, to not wait to get home, to read it, to see it. And even kind of like the song, if you've been like me, there's a song you might hear on the radio for the first time, you're like, that, I don't like that song. And then you hear it for like two weeks, and you're like, oh, okay. It's, it's kind of like half the people with Justin Bieber's new album, if you're like younger. Like, all of a sudden, they, they didn't like Justin Bieber, and they did. You know, it's like the sense of like, oh, I can like something now, or you didn't love it before. And, and, and like, there's this sense of, man, there, there's things in your life that may not be fun at first, but then you might start to love it in a new way. Maybe Justin Bieber was a bad example. I'll come up with a better one next time. Um, but you can learn, you can grow into a love and live in God's word in a new way, and he wants to do that for you. Jesus can take away any guilt you have around how you read the word. Jesus can take away any gap you have in how you feel like you live the word of God out. Jesus, he can create new habits in you that aren't possible without supernatural help. Jesus can break habits from your old family that have never been broken. Jesus can stir up a passion in you that is beyond this world for something you never thought possible. And Jesus can turn scenarios around in a way that he wants you to be able to love him, to love his word, and to trust him in a way that you never thought possible. Because Jesus' gospel changes everything. Amen, amen, amen. We have a plan here for you guys to try out today, and Jamie's going to get up here in just a second. But I want to challenge you with this. Some of you have tried reading the Word, and you, you didn't give yourself the grace, like training wheels of the growth process. Or some of you, you, you used to read the Word. For me, in junior high, 7th and 8th grade, I read Proverbs, uh, one Proverbs a day. There's 31 Proverbs, so there's 31 chapters. You can read a proverb a day each month and go through a whole book of the Bible. And I still do that off and on today, but sometimes I want to hold myself to that same standard. And to be honest, I love Proverbs, but I needed to read other stuff as well. That's a part of my habit, but I had to grow into something different. Some of you need to just grow into a different way of loving or living out the word. And hopefully the animal might help you figure it out. If, if you realize you've been trying to be something that may not be your natural way of feeding, some of you need to join a small group or a Bible study for the bat 
Some of you need to be okay with planning out how you're going to read some more chunks of Scripture. Some of you need to just be okay with taking a few verses and focusing in on that. One author said, if, you, if you've been in church at all, Psalm 23, the ver- very first verse is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I heard one author say, man, if you would just say that like three to five times a day, you would understand that to a whole new degree. If you would just sit there and just focus on the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And can I tell you one thing? I'm American. Um, not that, but I'm also from Sussex. I'm not from here. But one of the things I hear about Fredericton or this area is that Christianity is a battle up here. That to live out your gospel in different scenarios is something where you've got Christians, but you've got to stand up for it in different places. And that's not always easy. Can I just speak one word into you specifically? This isn't my notes here, but let me speak this into you. Life is not neutral. Life is not neutral. People that want to trust in the world and humans and want to make it that there's no God will say life is neutral. The two things that does is it says there's no authority and it doesn't matter what's right and wrong. And when you hear those two arguments, when you hear it doesn't matter how much you drink, like alcohol versus water, it's just a neutral scenario, it's just a drink, but you, you, you know the difference between getting drunk and whether that's right or wrong. You can say that that's not the same, that those aren't neutral always experiences. When, you, when, you, when you're in a scenario where someone's like, who's to be authority? We can't tell who's in authority. What they're saying is they, or some human logic that they're trusting is the authority by saying there's no authority instead of trusting in a God. The word of God tells us very specifically that there is right and wrong, that there is a God, there is an authority in this world, and life is not neutral. So don't trust too much in humanity or in arguments where people say that. You, as you love the word, will learn to love God and what he has to say. He will speak to your hearts and he will show you things in a new way as you seek him. As you pray, he will create space. And let me tell you this last thing here. It's just a, a plan makes a difference. Um, I, I, I read through the Bible in high school with my mom. And that's not like a, a bragging thing. I just, I, it's a long thing. I read through the Bible in a year because my church did that. They did like read through the Bible in a year plan. And if you want to keep accountability... Do it with your mom, you know, like, she, she's going she's gonna to hold you accountable, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm almost over the top, but, like, I, she helped me stick to it. There's something about doing something with somebody. So much so that my mom is actually kind of one of my accountability buddies. Like, um, anyone in here have parents that, like, uh, my mom did not want to get on Facebook. She was like, do I want to see things on Facebook, but I don't want to be on Facebook. You might have had a mom or a dad in that category. And... I, I problem solved it. I actually gave my mom my sign-in info. So my mom now looks, she, she stalks other people through my Facebook. But, but that means, man, anything, messages, and she has full range to my whole Facebook account. And I, I wouldn't do anything anyways. I trusted her. But there's, there's accountability there, man. My mom sees everything I do on Facebook. There's something really cool about the community. So you might have a different reading plan coming out of this, but as you guys do a reading plan together, let me challenge you. There's something about in the next 30 days saying, this is my plan, I'm committing to that. If, if you know that you're going to have a hard time reading a chapter a day, that's too much for you, I would still challenge you, but it's okay if you're like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to commit to at least reading some of the verses out of each chapter a day. I'd rather you do that and stick to a commitment than overcommit. Don't try and jump off the training wheels before you're ready. Grow into the word of God, you will continue to love and live into it more and more as you seek him. Let me pray for us. God, I love you, and I thank you for this group.
I feel like you sent me specifically as a messenger, not because I'm special, but because you had people that needed to come in here today that needed to be inspired by your word, and you had things you needed to say through me. So God, we pray right now that you will challenge us, that you will stir our hearts and our minds to love you and to live like you more and more. Jesus, you are the living word. And you challenge us to live out the word the way you did while you walked here on earth. Please help people to walk into that power that comes through you. In Jesus' name.